Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, and this is our look at the women's game from the Champions League and the National League and beyond. Joining me, we have a writer for the National World, and can we call you a transfer guru as well? It's Graham Falk. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I haven't been that much of a guru in the past week, so uh, fingers crossed you can call me that next week. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, Alex Pereira is back fresh from a trip to the Emirates this afternoon for Arsenal v Chelsea. Hi Luke, hi everyone. It's good to be back. It's been a while and we're kicking off 2023 the right way. Indeed we are for a first appearance of 2023 and also someone who's been at the Emirates this afternoon as we record on this Sunday evening. It is Sandra Broby from The Sun. She's the chief women's football writer. Hello Sandra. Hi Luke, how are you doing? You are right. Very well, thank you. Uh, just a reminder to subscribe, that way you can get all the podcasts for you to treasure. We have a transfer special as well, so make sure you listen to that and hear our thoughts in the January transfer window, and that will be out on Tuesday. Let's start off with that game at the Emirates End, the lunchtime kickoff. It was 1-1 in the end between Arsenal and Chelsea. Kim Little's penalty cancelled out in the last minute by a Sam Kurt Heather. Now, I was listening to this on the way to United versus Liverpool, and on the radio... Post-match, they seem to be saying that a draw was fair. Alex, Sandra, you were there. Would you agree? I'd say that Chelsea were fortunate because um, I think if I looked at the match stats, maybe they might have been updated, but Arsenal had seven shots, I think, on target to Chelsea's two. Um, I mean, Chelsea mounted a, a, a fight back um, towards the closing stages of the second half, but Arsenal had, certainly had enough chances um, in the first and second half that you'd have felt that if they'd been more clinical um, that they would have maybe you know got more than the one the one goal from Kim Little converting at the penalty spot but I mean Alex might disagree I don't know what your thoughts Alex I probably think uh, a one-all draw was probably a fair result yes Arsenal had their chances but they weren't quite clinical enough to to do it for me Chelsea were very, very like sloppy, unusually sloppy. It very much seemed like Lauren Jones in the first half was on a one-woman mission to get Chelsea a goal. She, she was very like she got fouled. I think at least four times in the first half, but yet no Arsenal player got booked, which I thought was baffling. Lauren Jones committed one foul, got booked. So from that perspective, it just. It kind of felt like from the offset, everything was against Chelsea. And of course, the crowd are never going to be on Chelsea's side when you're playing at the Emirates. But it seemed where they positioned the away fans, it was such a small section of the 46, nearly 47,000 people. But I don't think Emma Hayes could be too disappointed with the last minute uh, winner from Samka. There's that saying, death taxes and a Sam Kerr goal. A Sam Kerr goal is just inevitable. And to get her first at the Emirates, and I I loved a little bit of um, banter, so to speak. She had the fans after she scored. She ran over and was just like giving it the big one. And when you're a player of Sam Kerr's quality, you kind of deserve to do that. Chelsea as well. It was very, um, Alex, sorry, it was very unusual for Chelsea to have so few shots on target. I think it was like the 68th minute before they had their first one. And then obviously the other one was the goal. Um, was that down to Arsenal defending really well, would you say? Or was it, like you say, down to Chelsea just being sloppy? I think it's probably a combination of things. Obviously, you know, Chelsea before the international break or the time off before Christmas 
yes, they beat Reading, but they let a three-goal lead and let Reading get back into the game. Perhaps that's why Musovic started in goal ahead of Berger. But I don't know what they fed Musovic today because she was on top, top form. Like, she deserves all the praise she's getting after that. She made some clinical saves. She she made this one save where she kind of, the, the shot was at her, kind of tipped it onto the bar and then parried it out. But I think without Musovic, Chelsea would have been like very like under the pump. She she was like just being battered by Arsenal the whole game. And the only time she really missed was the penalty. So without Musovic, Chelsea would have been in a lot of lot of trouble. Yeah, and you went to the post match pesh conferences after, and I know you asked one of the questions you asked Emma Hayes was that very question about uh, Musovic and her performance. I think we could probably spend a long time talking about different rules and laws, etc. in the game. There's one, the law of the game is, is if there's a first contact outside of the box and it's not carried into the box, therefore it's a free kick, which we thought initially maybe that's what the foul was for, but it wasn't. The referee gave the decision for tangling of legs in the box, but I think that's impossible to avoid when a player's already going down. The referee's made that decision. Just get on with it, no point talking about it. VAR needs to be in the game, whether it's to confirm it or deny it. That's not anything we haven't already said. I think in general, cagey first half looked like two teams that have been on international break, uh, which is what we can expect. Arsenal started the second half better, but we struggled. Kim grew in the game. Um, the penalty came. I thought my team showed tremendous character from there on in. We were away from home. Not at our best, um, especially going forward. I thought the finishers came in. Each and every one of them, Perisay, Kankovic, Frank Kirby, they all added value and dug out a point. Uh, Kankovic, especially, that ball was a piece of genius and quality. What did you make of that equaliser? I told her when she went in the game, skip the front post, because that's what we did the whole game. It was easy for them to clear. She's been sick all week. Uh, we had Fran, who was Adele. So for both of them to come in and contribute, I think it's fantastic um, for the time that they've trained or not trained with the group. So, yeah, I mean, Yelena's just begun her career with us. She's had a lot of setback early on with injury, this week with illness. But I think she's going to be a huge player for us. Um, I wanted to ask about your thoughts on Zakira Musovic's performance because with her coming in, taking the place of Berger, she performed phenomenally well, pulled off some world-class saves. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Musovic. Yeah, I thought she was brilliant in everything she did. I don't know, because I haven't watched the game, about if any of them were big saves. I think everything was in the range that she should deal with. But she, she had to touch the ball a lot, I would say. I think... Her game management, something I'll talk to her about, about when the game gets difficult, just some different decision making. But Sachira Musovic and the work she's doing in the background, on the training pitch, her diligence, her attention to detail, her application has been absolutely brilliant. And she's deserving of the accolade she gets from today's game. Um, and I expect that she will come in tomorrow and ask what the next level will be because she's a product of hard work in training and beyond and I thought she had an excellent game today. Every player is good enough to play in this team, um, can only pick 11, 
I think we played a game against PSG, we kept a clean sheet. The team's build-up has to keep improving, um, and I think that she's adding value to that. She's calm, she's adding the next levels that uh, I will challenge both of our goalkeepers to do. And I felt confident to play Sachira today because I trust not only in the process, but in the whole squad. So, happy with the decision. And it was really good to see Emma be so open as well, because I think sometimes players, doesn't matter whether it's a women's manager, men's manager, whatever, they always have this thing where they protect their players. But Emma Hayes is one of those. Where she goes, Do you know what? We didn't play well. We were quite sloppy in places. This is probably like the worst attacking performance we've had in a while. And I think more managers need to be honest because not everything is going to go to plan 100% of the time. So that's why like when I asked that question, because Musovic coming in, Berger, the full Berger, Berger is has been such a phenomenal keeper for Chelsea for many years. They're not easy shoes to fill. So you want to make sure that your number two in Musovic is coming in and she's going to perform to the highest level. And she certainly, certainly outdid herself. It was interesting as well. Uh, the question got asked, Alex, I know we've been chatting about it all day on WhatsApp. Um, the penalty decision, it was definitely a foul, but looked outside the box. Um, and it was interesting, Emma Hayes' reaction to it, especially about the... The technology question. I think taking my Chelsea hat off, a lot of these decisions seem to happen in the women's game. And you think, you know, if that decision had happened in, say, I can't even say Man United, Man City, because there was a horrendous decision in that yesterday. But if it was to happen in a men's game, they would have immediately have gone to VAR and it would have been ruled out. If a foul is committed outside the box, it should never be given as a penalty. It doesn't matter whether it's under 11s, under 16s, men's, women's, if it's out of the box, it's not a penalty. That That's as simple as it can be. Graham, where, where do you stand on the, the technology use in women's football? don't see any reason why not. I'll be honest, like um, from a perspective of VAR, I really hate VAR. It's took away way too many fun moments for me, um, but I suppose it is the way football's going in. If you're working in a, a business, which you know effectively it is for a lot of people, and you're working in a passion, something you you love, um, I don't, I can't see why they wouldn't use VAR. Like it doesn't really make much sense. Um, it's the top tier of women's football, so it should be in there. But I also think, I don't know, um, I'm I loathe to criticise referees, um, but I just think sometimes the standard referee is not that great, um. There's too many big decisions that are given the wrong way for me. I mean, I'm not, can I be honest? I'm not even sure it was a foul. Um, I know some people might disagree with me on that. I'm not 100% sure it was a foul because I think there was a foul earlier on where I think, uh, I can't remember who it was, but they, they kind of clashed in a similar way. And I said, well, if that's a penalty, I know it was outside the box, but like if the referee's thinking that's in the box, then so was the other one, which would have been, I think, a penalty for Chelsea at the time. I can't quite remember the players that clashed. Um, well, for me, I'm not even sure it was a foul to begin with. Um, when it comes to technology, though, yeah, yeah, I, I can't understand why not. If we can have it in the men's top tier, why can't we have it in the women's? I think it's a pretty straightforward thing to ask and, and query. Um, there's always the case that they say it's about money and things like that. I know, obviously, I live up in Scotland and it took a while for the men's top tier to have it and it came down to, to money and stuff like that. But I, I don't know, I, I don't see why the women's top tier can't afford that. I can't 
can't have it. Maybe it's a conversation with someone who you know holds the purse strings, I guess. But um, I don't understand why the men's top tier would have it and the women's don't. And um, if anyone has an answer for me on that, that would be that would be great because I'd like some clarity on it. Well, Alex also went to Jonas Eideval's press conference. I think even the first half, I thought we were the better team. I think we created more goal-scoring opportunities than Chelsea did. Um, I think we, all in all, if I look for the whole game, I'm happy with the performance, uh, both subjectively in how we play football, but also objectively in the goal-scoring opportunities we create. That means that I'm obviously undisappointed with the result because it's a draw. I think it's one of those games that when you're in retrospect looking for it, saying that could we have been even more active in the, in their last 15 minutes of the game. I don't think they create a lot, Chelsea. Um, so it's, I think normally we uh, we would have defended that uh, that game uh, to a victory, but um, they, they had a moment of brilliance. Uh, it's a very good pass. It's a very good run, good finish. Yes, we could have done better, but that's what happens when you play in top opposition. Sandra, whereabouts are Arsenal, do you think, at the minute? Um, well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a huge blow for them to be missing the uh, services of Beth Mead and Vivian Miedemar. I mean, I believe that if those two were fit and were playing, the result would probably be quite different, given the number of chances that, um, you know, Arsenal had um, in the match. But I'd say where they are at the minute is that they obviously they've got two, they've brought in two attacking midfielders, both regarded as uh, promising um, talents within Europe in Victoria Pulover and Catherine Cool, neither of whom featured today. Lena Hurtig was very, very lively and had a few chances, um, you know, was certainly giving Millie, you know, keeping Millie Bright busy in the box and, and Caitlin Ford had a few chances as well. Um, I think what it is, is just that, you know, the finishing, basically. I mean, you, you've got Stina Blackstinius, obviously hurting there. They, you know, even even without Mead and Miedemar, you would hope that they'd be able to get more goals. But um, where they are is that they that they just need, I think they need to set, have their new players settled in. And then I guess just to be more kind of clinical with those, and, you know, with those opportunities that they have. Um, I mean, as I said, I mean, if I think if Miedemar and Mead had been there, it may well have been a, a different result rather than a 1-1 draw. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of where Arsenal are, they, they've done they've done well in the transfer market. It's good that they've brought two new players in to uh, make up for the loss of Mead and Miedemar. However, I guess they're going to be wary of the threat that Manchester United are posing in terms of the race for the title um, at the minute, because I mean, Man United are just looking ferocious. You know, they had five different scores today. I know there was an own goal. It's just, you know, I think that it's that they'll be wary of the threat that Manchester United pose in terms of that title race. Aside from obviously Chelsea being being there, being at the, the being at the top of the table. So, but I think that they they just need to be a bit more clinical. So I went to Lee Sports Village to see Manchester United versus Liverpool, the first league meeting in a couple of years. And United are out the box so quickly with Lucia Garcia scoring on six minutes. And they could have added more before Alessio Russo confidently finished to make it 2-0 on 24 minutes. And then Hayley Ladd added a third just before half time. Uh, midway through the first half, I had to amuse myself because uh, I could see Matt Beard scribbling down a note 
screwing down notes. He always seems to be constantly scribbling notes. I don't know how much paper he used, but he would have needed a lot of it, you feel. Um, but United didn't take the foot off the gas in the second half either. His Millie Turner shot was deflected in by Kai Visto. And then Martha Temus ended a lovely team goal to make it five. And Rachel Williams headed in a sixth. It was good to see a couple of subs come on and make uh, make an impact as well. Um, Liverpool's Neve Fallery apologised on Twitter afterwards, calling it unacceptable. And I caught up with both managers at the end. Well, we, we should be embarrassed by it, I am. Um, it's the little things for me, the basics of the ball retention, turning the ball over time after time, not getting two or three passes together. But my, my biggest disappointment is the, is the work rate. You know, and, I, and the best example I can give you, we've got a counter-attack right at the end of the half. Mel Lawley's driving out, 3v1. Seven Manchester United players have run past four or five of mine in Mel's alone. And I think that summed, summed the day up for me perfectly in that one moment. Um, I don't know why they had more desire than us. Said to the players at half-time, what are they doing differently to us? They're moving the ball quicker. One, two touch. We're having three, four touches and we're turning it over. And it's not as if we're a poor team because... We've competed so well this year. I can't understand that 90 minutes. Do you think you showed United too much respect first half? There's a stage at 2-0. I could see where they were almost sat back. I could see you urging them forward. Do you think it was too much respect sitting off them? No, no. They, they wanted it more than us. I mean, we should... We Obviously, we respect any opponent we play, but there's two teams out there. We didn't press them well enough. We was too late to step out into the press and we worked hard on that on Wednesday. Um, but it's just, I, I, it's, it's, for whatever reason, there's lots of things that haven't gone our way today. And whether that's us being brave enough, whether that's us showing them too much respect, you can't do it against the top opposition, otherwise it ends up like it's ended up today. Uh, it's great to have this fixture back as well. I'm guessing it's something you want to carry on doing for the next few seasons now with this club and competing with United up at the top. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but listen, like, listen, like, it's, 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 it's a great fixture. Right? I'm not going to get involved in uh, rivalries and stuff like that. Men's and women's football is completely different. Yeah. We, we, it doesn't matter who we play. Like, from my perspective, I feel we've got a good enough team to stay in this division. Yeah. We've had an OK start. Against the top teams, we've struggled to get results. And this is probably the first performance, apart from maybe the Everton first half, where it's been really, really poor. You know, we're six months back into the Super League. We was out for two years. I don't think people understand the level of the Super League now in comparison. Mm. I come here in 2012. Within a year, we're winning a league title. Mm. That, that can't happen. Like, you, look, you look at the Chelsea example. Three years for Emma, three years for Man City. It ain't going to happen overnight. I'm not, I'm not naive, I'm not stupid. Um, it's going to take us this season to, to settle. It's going to take another couple of transfer windows to get us anywhere near yeah. the level of the top teams. Mm. So I understand that, but at the same time, I can't accept performance levels. Mm. And it's not even the performance, it's the desire to work ethic. And any, anyone that knows me, my teams have to work hard. And that's the frustrating thing for me that we haven't done that today. We've done it in inconsistently, um, and, and that's the frustration. Well, I'm always reminded that it doesn't really matter about performance when you look 10 years back. Mm. So if we're 10 years ahead, it didn't everyone just sees a 6-0, so they don't really remember. 
but we know how important performance is for us. I think reality was last year we didn't have the depth at Rach to come in like that last to score a header. We actually Martha, we've had chats this week with Martha just telling her how important she is to us, just because that doesn't always reflect in a minute. But even the, the quality of the things that she can do. So I'm happy that these players could be starters for us. But it's just the others have raised their intensity and quality so much, it, it's competitive. And and that's the hardest part of my job is trying to balance that. Um, but but I love it. Like I love the fact that they are here and and giving us as much as they possibly can. I didn't think at the second start of the second half it probably would be a 6-0 game. Um, but we just took moments. And Liverpool again, you can only block for so long. So once you're chasing, 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 we knew it would open up at the end. It was uh, interesting, you said you didn't think you were that great at the start. Coming off the winter break, though, you got the perfect start, didn't you, with the early goal? And I thought the midfield of Haley Ladd and um, Katie Zellen were brilliant. You don't see how they move the opponent, how they control the opponent. And that's why we keep clean sheets. We give up very few chances. Like, I look at the statistics today and it's, it's frightening. Like, Liverpool have not been near us, really, barring throw-ins. Um, so for us to control a team like Liverpool like that, it's a real, real statement of us for ourselves. More importantly, you guys will write what you want to write, of course. But actually for us to continue to take control the way we have, it's really important for us. I heard somebody shouting, we're going to win the league when you've been interviewed before. Can you win the league? Of course, any, anyone at this moment can win the league. Do we want to win the league? Yes, for sure we want to win the league. Does that mean we think we're ready right now? Who knows? Mm. We're preparing to be ready, of course, but you need luck. You need, like the result today, Sam Kerr scoring in the 89th minute. Who knows where them two points will help yeah. each other throughout the year. Um, so for us, yes, it's, it's very important that we try and just maximise our potential. And we'll keep doing that, by the way. We'll keep fighting, fighting, fighting. 12 games to go and then obviously cup as well. So lots of football stuff to be played. So can we? Of course we can. Mm -hmm. Do we want to? Absolutely certainty we want to. Now, Graham, I know your bromance with Mark Skinner uh, is blossoming, but that was a pretty impressive result all the same, wasn't it? I think he hates me this week. I've been asking him too much about transfers. I don't think he really likes that, but fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, really impressive. Like I, um, I've obviously covered United this season in City, and I, I know sometimes people don't really seem to have the best opinion of Mark Skinner and within the fan base that they think he makes like weird decisions or. They don't think certain players get enough game time and every fan is entitled to that opinion and every opinion will be completely different or at least a variation of um, different opinions. But I think he's really impressive. I think Sandra touching it before, um, they look like a real... They look good. They look really good. And I think anyone who's telling themselves that they're not looking good is not looking close enough. Um, I think... There's a lot of chat about, obviously, Tooney, a lot of chat about Alessia, a lot of chat about Ona for understandable reasons. But for me, Hayley Ladd and Katie Zellum again in the middle, just outstanding. Um, Hayley Ladd in particular, just phenomenal today. And I think those two just keep United ticking. Um, and I think, you know, you look at Katie Zellum and you, you look at her, what, what she was like under Casey Stoney, far from poor, far from it. But obviously, um, Borisa came in under Casey Stoney and that was kind of her signing. I know, I know she didn't really get the game just the game time just now that some of the fans want. But I think if you want to look at where Mark Skinner's made improvements at Manchester United, I think you need to look no further than Katie Zellum because she's just like statistically so important, and I think she just gets overlooked so much. But today for me, it was probably more Haley Ladd that was underpinning everything that was good about Manchester United. But I was at the first game of the season, Liverpool Chelsea, and I know people might say Liverpool have heard down the league and they haven't won many games and so on and so forth. But they can turn it on. They're still a dangerous team. Um, 
you know, they beat Chelsea up near this evening. Beating Chelsea, as Arsenal found out today, is no mean feat. As um, Man United found out a few months ago, it's no mean feat. So to go there and just demolish a team. Um, I think what was good was, I, I think I seen um, some of the players like kind of like patting the badge and giving the fist pumps and stuff like that at the end. And I kind of like seeing that because I, I think some people said it wasn't a derby because it's not a great deal of history, but it's a derby, trust me. Man United Liverpool is a derby and at under 12s level, it's probably a derby, to be honest. Um, we both know the feeling those both those sides have um, about each other. And I think, you know, Man United obviously went in today with a lot of determination. The players obviously felt it was a derby. There's loads of Man United fans that are in there. But I think ultimately for me, again, it's just another another impressive performance under Mark Skinner. And I think um, I think he needs a bit more credit, if I'm honest. Um, that's got nothing to do with the bromance that we, me and him allegedly have. I just think he's doing a good job. Um Graham, he complimented you on your moustache the other week. It's a bromance. Well, he did, yes. But he's probably just trying to keep me on side. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about the, the lad um, Zellan partnership. As you heard in the audio, I asked him about that. And that was the main thing that won the game for Man United today, especially in the first half. He dominated that Liverpool midfield. And uh, I know, Alex, you, uh, you and I were chatting before we came on on WhatsApp. And you feel that United will get the Champions League spot. And you feel that actually they may maybe make a good fist of it in the qualifying stage as well. Yeah, I think I said back in September, like United looked really good. And it's kind of been surprising that they've sort of outperformed their Manchester counterpart this season. Because obviously we know City started the season off pretty poorly. Uh, a lot of outgoings, not many ingoings. But I think what Mark Skinner is doing, like Graham has already said, at United it's no mean feat to be able to dismantle a very good Liverpool side is a great achievement. And, you know, Mark Skinner's just won the Barclays uh, WSL manager of the month. So he's obviously doing something right. And he's obviously getting the best out of his players. And I think perhaps with, with Skinner, if the, if United do get a Champions League qualification for them, it's neither here nor there. They've got no, like they've never they never played in the Champions League ever, so there's not really any pressure on them to qualify or to do well. So it's probably it'll probably work better for them than it has for City, because City always seem to get to the final stage of qualifying and then lose to your Real Madrid or a, or a top quality team like that. So for United, they have competed against the likes of Chelsea. Yeah, they may have lost three one, but they. Chelsea were coasting it 2-0. Uh, Alessio Russo scores goal, takes it back to 2-1. So they are able to compete at a high level. So that's why I think if they do get third in the WSL this season, they are more than capable at competing in Europe. As you heard there as well, Matt Beard was uh, pretty unhappy with the performance in general. And, and Sandra, he was bristling a little bit when I suggested that they might be in trouble at the bottom. He, he, as he said there, what are you suggesting? Well, what I'm suggesting is they're, uh, they're going to be looking over the shoulder with the way other results have gone. We'll get onto that shot in terms of the results. But will he be worried? Because he went on the defensive when I asked him that. Possibly, but I think given the, that we, from as, as Graham mentioned, you know, Liverpool are capable of beating the very best sides in that in in the table, and obviously they beat um, Chelsea at the beginning of this season. Yeah, they might be a bit you know warier, particularly you know when you look at Leicester, 
Liverpool have enough that to to survive and not to be uh, you know pulled into that bottom two. I think, um, and they've been quite astute with their business in the the transfer market. I just think today they just came up against a Man United side in very very good form. I mean, it seems like both United sides are looking da- you know dangerous. Great to be a United fan at the moment, isn't it? On the men's and women's team, but um, you know, it, United are just a different proposition this season. Um, that we saw what they did to Arsenal earlier this term. So I, I, don't, I don't. I think Liverpool have enough that they're not going to be pulled into that that bottom two possibly. Um, that's my. But that's just my opinion. Mm, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Funny enough, it may well just be me because the two times I've seen Liverpool this year, they've they've stunk the place out and got absolutely stuffed. So maybe uh, I'll just have to keep away if you're a Liverpool fan. Um, Everton, there. Merseyside neighbours, they beat Reading 3-2 in the end. It was looking comfortable for the Blues when Dutch striker Katia Schneils scored after being set up by skipper Gabby George. Jess Park added a second, and it was looking like a long afternoon for Kelly Jamies' side, but they got a goal back through Justin Van Havermaat on the hour mark. George added to her assist by adding Everton's third before the Royals got another goal back through Deanne Cooper, but Brian Sorensen's side held on, and uh, Sandra... Everton are having a solid season so far, aren't they? Yeah, they're impressive. I mean, they're, they're thriving and, and you know, they're looking good for mid-table at the moment. Um, and, and you know, to, to see off Reading, again, no mean feat. You know, they fought back against Chelsea and um, they're quite a tough side, a season side in the WSL. So considering the, the kind of what has happened to Everton in past seasons with them kind of, again, being looking like they were going to be pulled into relegation uh, scrap, uh, last term, I think he's done a very good job um, of of making the team a bit more difficult to beat, uh, you know, and playing playing nice football as well, and making them a kind of battling side. So, yeah, they they're definitely th- thriving under him. Graham, I'm going to throw this to you, but Gabby George has been really impressive this season. Um, I've seen a linked with a move away in the summer, so Everton are doing well to keep hold of. I think, won't they? Yeah, she's kind of rose to prominence again a little bit, hasn't she? After maybe a quiet, um, a quiet year or so, but um, a goal today was a stunner, really good goal. Um, just one of those ones when a player just whacks it one and it takes that slight kind of swerve and it just looks really nice. Um, great goal. She's had a good season. She got back into the line. Essa scored. I think it was in October time. I think it was. So obviously she's she's there and they're about in. You know, it's a European Championship winning squad, which you may have heard of over the past few months. Some people might have mentioned it, um, but it's no, it's it's not easy to get into that squad. And and you know, she's I think she's twenty five, twenty six, so she's far from old, but she can't be classed as like a young up and comer and somebody that could potentially like you know, uh, Serena's just looking at for the future because she's she's twenty five, twenty six. She's she's been around for you know longer than some, and um, so she's getting in there on merit. But for me, Jess Park's just outstanding. Um, Everything that she does this season for me, I I love players like Jess Park because I love watching her. She's so good, isn't she? Oh, she's so good, mate. And I mean, um, I was really really lucky enough to to have her on um, my podcast about two months ago. And the best thing is, she's a wonderful person as well. Really bubbly, really funny. And it's like you know when you see someone's personality come through in the way that they play football, like she's just enjoying herself. It's exactly what she was like. And I thought uh, her goal was brilliant today. I thought it was a fantastic goal. And I think. It's all about a team. I'm sure she'll say this, and I'm sure Brian Sorensen will say exactly the same. But I think she just got give, she's given them a bit of a spark this season, and something that maybe they haven't had in the past. And you know, it's 
bringing the players around at upper level, I think, as well. Um, don't get me wrong, I know there's talk like last season about Everton wanting to go in the Champions League and almost getting relegated, which didn't didn't really work out. But I think this season um, they can have a really solid season, maybe fight for you know the fifth or sixth place and and then look to build from there. That They seem to have a good unity. They have a very good manager, very intelligent man, I think, Brian. Um, always really impressed with him in uh, post-match and pre-matches and, and when I see him on the TV. Um, and they've got a good young squad with some good pros that are in there as well, like Gabby George. So, Again, like Sandra says, you know, Redden are not they're not an easy team to swat away. They, they keep seeing to coming back and to, to hold them off. It's a, it's one thing for Chelsea to hold them off. It's another for like Everton to hold them off. Obviously, that there is a difference in quality between the two sides. But I think you know the more I watch Everton, the more I'm impressed. But the more I watch Jess Park, the more I just think, oof, is she like going to potentially be someone who can get in the, the Lionesses eleven in the next? Next year or so, I'm I'm that impressed by her. I think she can she can put pressure on teams at the, uh, put pressure on players at an international level, um. And I think Man City have got a hell of a player on their hands. I bet there's some City fans wishing she hadn't gone out on loan and would prefer it to be in the team at the moment. I think. No, absolutely, yeah. And it'd be interesting to see if she gets straight back into the City lineup when she goes back next season. That was a massive win for Leicester against Brighton, who who had new head coach, former Bayern Munich coach. Jens Scheuer in the dugout for his first game. Now, he had said in the build-up to this that the pressure was all on Leicester before this one, but Leicester responded to that with goals from Ailing Wheeland, Sam Turney, Sam Tierney and Monique Robinson. Uh, Graham, that was a huge win for Leicester, wasn't it? Yeah, massive. Um, I think I said during the week that they had to win it, and, and I think they really did. If you lose that game, then... Look, miracles happen, but not that often. Um, and it would have been a total miracle for them to stay up. But Le- Leicester's a funny one because I know it's the first game they've won this season and we're in January, which is a long time not to win games. But I, I really like a lot of their, their like a lot of their team. Um, I know she wasn't playing today or she didn't start at least. Um, actually, I don't even think she was on the bench. I think she might have picked something up because obviously she'd normally play. But Shannon O'Brien, I think, is a great player. Um, really impressed by her. I think Molly Pike is getting better, sort of the more I see her as well. Um, and the goalkeeper that they brought in, though, the two saves that she made, uh, the goalkeeper from, I think they brought her in from Bayern Munich, Janina Leipzig, um, two fantastic saves. Uh, and that, in games like that, where you need to win it, yes, you need to score goals, but yes, having big plays and big moments is massive. And I think to have a debut and make two brilliant saves like that, and you think, you know, you've got one of your best, if not your best player, and Shannon O'Brien to come back. They've got to think positively. I think, um, you know, I spoke to um, Gemma Perfield a couple of weeks ago, and she says, it just feels like, I feel like we're playing good football. I feel like we know what we're doing. And I just feel like the results aren't coming yet, but I'm confident they are. And I believed in her saying that. It wasn't a case of she's saying it to save face. I think I believe what she was saying 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really delighted for them because I think they're a really nice bunch of girls down there. And I think the club as much as the results haven't worked too much for them this season, seem to be doing things in the right way. They play the games at the King Power. Um, and and I just think it's I just think the club is going in the right direction if maybe the, the league position isn't. And I think if they did unfortunately drop out of the league, they, they would be back. And it's no disrespect to you know your Brightons and stuff like that. I'm not saying I'd rather see I've got no dog in this fight whatsoever. Um I'm just saying that Leicester, I think I've got a good set of young players that have impressed me when I've seen them, that'll grow into uh, much better players in, in time with experience. 
Um, and it seems they've got a goalkeeper that can win them some points, which is, I think the sacred goalkeeper is worth about nine points sometimes in the season. So there's the first three. Um, but massive win. And, and I, th- I think you're right. They needed to win. I think it would have been curtains if they hadn't won that. But um, they've got to build on it. They've got to get more than just the, the three points. One win in isolation doesn't mean anything, I suppose. And that's what they'll be thinking as well. Yeah, it's interesting to say about the nice girls as well. Obviously, we've had dealings with Gemma Perfield. She was on our, one of our Euro specials during the summer. Uh, Sylvie Howard's a regular on here as well. I was chatting with her before and she was like delighted and a sense of relief. So, um, yeah, really good win for Leicester. Uh, Sandra, on paper, it looks like a decent appointment for Brighton bringing in Shirley, but what do you make of it? That's a very good appointment when, if you consider um, his record. I mean, leading Bayern Munich to um, a, a title in Germany's top flight, getting to the semi-finals with Bayern Munich in the Champions League a few seasons back, but obviously being knocked out um, by Chelsea. Um, that's like a, a kind of a, a really promising, um, a great manager to have in terms of his experience and and creating a winning a winning side. But, but I guess. He's got a, a a lot to do in terms of they've made some some signings, some decent signings in this transfer window. But it, it looks like, you know, Brighton might be in a kind of maybe a transition, um, obviously. I mean, I imagine he'll be doing some changes in the summer as well, um, perhaps maybe looking at the squad um, who, you know, may, maybe that we could see um, some departures. Who, who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean... I guess he's got a fair bit to do to try. I mean, to try and get Brighton back to to a team that's more harder to beat. I mean, by their standards, they'll probably feel that the start to the season hasn't been the greatest. But it's I guess he's got a fair bit to do in terms of, um, you know, getting them back to being a team that's much more more difficult to beat. But at the same time, you know, the squad he has in terms of who who's there and some of the young and up and coming players like Katie Robinson and Poppy Pattinson. You know, that's there's there's you know some really good talent in there, and then obviously some of the the older players like Lee Gwyn Min. Um, you know, there, there are some really good players in there that who can who gel with obviously the new signings that he's he's brought in. So, but yeah, the results day I thought was a little unexpected. I thought it it may well be a Brighton win or possibly a draw, but um, yeah, there's I guess there's lots for Jen Stewart to do, but he's a, a good manager definitely to have there. Down in East London, the late kickoff. Bunny Shaw's goal on 50 minutes was enough for Manchester City to claim all three points against West Ham. Uh, Alex, we touched on it briefly before about Manchester United, but it's a great fight for the Champions League spots, isn't it? Um, Why do you think United will pip City? Could City strengthen enough to catch them, though? They could, potentially, but I just think United have all the momentum that we talked about earlier, especially beating Arsenal. Like, you go to the Emirates... You you take the game to Arsenal and you beat them, like it's the stuff dreams are made of. And I think I don't know how, but United sort of ending third kind of upsets the equilibrium a little bit of it always being Chelsea, City, Arsenal. So it's probably like United have sort of been there or thereabouts the past few seasons, and now they're sort of getting their just rewards. But you never know; it might come down to. A goal difference between the two Manchester clubs because they're both getting back into some sublime form. You know, Bunny Shaw, top WSL scorer. So, you know, it's it's hard to say at the minute, but I think United just slightly edge it with 
the manner of that result. Beth England going from Chelsea to Spurs for a domestic record of a quarter of a million pounds. It was something that was muted, wasn't it, for it to get in, back into the Lionesses squad. I'm guessing, Alex, I'll ask you as a Chelsea fan, um, sad to see a goal, but quite a coup for Spurs. Yeah, I was kind of discussing this with Chess a while back, that like, if Bethany England could either, and I even said it to Sandra at the uh, Chelsea Spurs game at the bridge, if Bethany England could potentially go on loan before obviously she was bought by Spurs to get some game playing time because with Beth Mead being out and with a World Cup coming up this year, England needs someone up front to score them goals, especially with Ellen White retiring as well. So you've obviously got Alessia Russo, but are they going to use her in a similar way that they did in the Euros where she comes on as a super sub or is she going to start from the off? We don't know. And although it's sad to see Bethany England go, I think she was like Chelsea's second highest goal scorer and she's like joint-headed goal scorer with Sam Kerr. I'm kind of happy for her moving to Spurs that she gets the game-playing time and she even scored on debut. Perhaps, you know, Spurs didn't win but she's still contributing and it gives Spurs a focal point for them to perhaps, you know, go on and score goals. It's something they've sort of lacked of late. Yeah, they dismantled Brighton 8-0, but since then they haven't really done much. So they need someone who can go up front and score goals for them and Bethany England will get them goals. As you mentioned, Alex, she scored on her debut. It wasn't enough for him to prevent him from losing at Villa. It was uh, a Lioness's teammate, Rachel Daly, who got the winner after Kenzie Darley had equalised. Good win for Villa, but the pressure will be on now, Alex, for Rianne Skinner, won't it? Oh, 100%. But I think getting Bethany England in that side plugs a gap somehow, slightly, because obviously they've got that focal point. But it can't just be, you know, Bethany England, Ashley Neville in defence. They need to find some sort of creative outlet that's going to help provide assists and have that creative midfielder because it seems that Spurs aren't a particularly bad side. They're just they just are one of those teams that seem happy with being a mid table team. And you think if they were to get the proper investment, like the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's, the United perhaps, they would do a lot better. So it's not so much about the whole team is is bad or is rubbish. It's not that it's just finding one or two missing pieces of the puzzle and they will definitely be able to compete a lot more. So we're going to look at the championship now and the big game of the day in the championship was the North East derby between Sunderland and Durham. And a man to tell us about it is our North East correspondent, John Middleton. Hi, John. Hi, Luke. You all right? That's, good, that's yeah. quite a, a good title for me. Thank you. Oh, no, no worries. Um <laughs> It very entertaining game in the end, wasn't it, by the sounds of it? Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of the players have played for each other. Um, they know each other off the pitch as well. Um, but they kind of left that on the sidelines for the majority. It was your typical local derby. Absolutely. And a much, need, much needed win for Sunderland as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, to be honest, they scored three goals. I think they possibly had one more attack or one more shot on goal. So clinical when they needed to be. Um, Claudia Moore in, in the Sunderland goal pulled off some fine saves to throughout Durham, who, well, they've, they've been playing very, very well all season. They just haven't got all of the results that perhaps their displays deserve. But 
Sunderland dug in and a late goal to win it. And, you know, Katie Watson just sped through and put that underneath Nisha McAloon um, to win it. And, yeah, it, it kind of, <laughs> well, Durham fans and Durham players just couldn't believe the luck, to be honest. I was going to ask you what's um, what's happened with Durham this year because two seasons ago they were all so close to winning the league. They picked it by Leicester last year. They started well and then faded, and then this season they're just above Sunderland by a point. Yeah, um, they've gone full time. So uh, the summer um, and following's been a big change. I've I've had a chat with some of the players on my podcast uh, covering Durham women. And I think you know the, the the performances has been have been great, but the change in lifestyle and things like that from having jobs and being part time, which Durham have been for the first eight years of uh, existence, it's it's a massive change. Um, I've I've talked to players of other clubs who've been been around a bit and seen that change into full time, and it seems to be the kind of thing that happens. Um, I, I don't know in in your experience and talking to people whether they found it the same, but it's it's kind of been looked upon as a season transition. Um, great performances, the goals. Well, they were coming towards. Well, we've had some great performances against uh, WSL one teams in the cups and things like that. We've scored a lot of goals in December, um, but it's it's been up and down a little bit. And instead of being the underdogs, which Durham have traditionally been, the rest of the clubs have caught up. And now being full-time, I think Sunderland have kind of taken over that mantle. And they did very well today um, to fulfil that. Yeah, Sunderland, who are in 10th, the three points ahead of Sheffield United, the the 10 points ahead of Coventry United is still without a win. Um, So... Sunderland, I suppose it's just a case of rattling on till the end of the season, see how it goes. Durham will want to get up to the sort of the top five, won't they? And what to push on next year? Yeah, um, they've certainly got a great group of players. Um, Durham, Sunderland have got a great uh, mixture of youth and experience. I think Grace McCarthy. I think she was interviewed by BBC. She says she's the the most experienced and the oldest of their players, but they've got some players coming in from the RTC, um, including their uh, winning goal scorer, Katie Watson, who's been in or around the first team squad for the past two seasons. She's a RTC graduate. So things are looking great for Sunderland, still being part-time because, you know, Neve Heron in centre of defence, she's quite young. I think she's only 21, 22. So things are looking bright for both North East clubs. Um, Maybe not this season, but, you know, the, the couple of seasons in the future. Um, Coventry, well, I know I hear they're trying to sign lots of different players. Will they pull off a, another great escape? I I honestly don't know. It's a little bit different from last year, isn't it? But they just, they just can't get a win. Brill, well, John, thanks for joining us. And um, I'm sure we'll have you on before the end of the season. You're very welcome, Luke. Thanks for having me. Top of the championship, then, it is London City Lionesses on goal difference. They had a thumping 5-0 away win at Crystal Palace. 
Uh, it was Sarah Ewans on the score sheet. Once again, she opened the scoring for Jamie Lee Napier, added a second. Karen Muya, she got a couple for London City before Lucy Shepherd rounded off the scoring. Bristol City are in second place, but boy, did they leave it late to beat bottom of the table. Coventry United, who must have thought they were close to pulling off a shock victory and getting their first points of the season. Coventry United had actually fallen behind to Chloe Bull's opener in the ninth minute. But in the second half, they were ahead, thanks to goals from Eleanor Ryan Doyle and Mary McAteer. And they took that lead into stoppage time for an equaliser that came from Grace Clinton, who's just signed on loan from Manchester United. And then Abby Harrison scored in the sixth minute of stoppage time to break Coventry hearts. They remain bottom on zero points and leaves Bristol City in second on goal difference. Third place Charlton's game was called off away at Blackburn Rovers. Southampton remained in fifth despite a home defeat to sixth place Lewis. It was Emily Craft who scored once again. That's a third goal of the season for her. And Birmingham, they won 1-0 away at Sheffield United. It was Claudia Walker, who's recently signed from West Ham, who got the winner there. That is all for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. My thanks to Sandra, Graham and Alex. Give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1. We are the Women's Football Podcast on Instagram. And subscribe and you can get your podcast uploaded wherever you listen. And please leave us a like and a review. We'll see you all very soon.